With MailChimp, you get more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. With things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools. Get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Hi, welcome to season two of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. This podcast is a project between Mama Wall Capes and her kids. Hi! In our podcast, we will cover a variety of subjects involving K-12 education and family life. We will talk about the ways that parents, kids, and educators can improve K-12 education and family life. We encourage you to join our conversation on social media using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. Let's jump into Season 2, Episode 6 of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. February is Black History Month. Black History Month started as an effort by Carter G. Woodson and Jesse E. Moreland in the early 20th century to celebrate and research the accomplishments and contributions by people of African descent. We're using this month to discuss important topics that touch the lives of black people and black culture. We can't cover them all in four short episodes, but we'll do our best to engage discussions that we hope can endure well after February is over. In this episode, we're going to discuss blackface, its roots, and how it has evolved in digital form. Minstrel shows, also called minstrelsy, is an American theatrical genre that leans heavily on the comedic enactment of racial stereotypes. The genre flourished from the end of the Civil War to the early parts of the 1900s and most often placed white performers in burnt cork or shoe polish covered faces costumed with exaggerated physical features, language, and gestures of black people. When it comes to blackface, it boils down to who owns the narrative about your culture, who gets to try on other people's culture or leverage them for a laugh, and who gets to tell you and other people who you are? Perceptions of black people in media with origins in traditions like blackface are not only built on insidious stereotypes of black people, but are established within the power dynamics of who gets to write scripts, who tells the stories, and who claims ownership of your form. Think about the racial healing that did not happen during the post-Civil War Reconstruction era. During this time, we see a rise in popularity of minstrelsy. Toward the decline of the minstrel era, we see these negative stereotypes about black people leveraged in new forms of entertainment, like movies, like the 1915 silent film, The Klansman, or more formally known as Birth of a Nation. So even though black people were freed from enslavement, the post-Civil War rise of this genre and the pervasive use of stereotypes about black people during the Jim Crow era was a reminder to all people that blacks were not freed from the negative ideas we as a society held about black people. And we may never free ourselves of those ideas. Today, people are so turned off by blackface that they're not willing to delve into the reason why it is considered offensive in the first place. 
blackface isn't dead. As our world becomes more digital, blackface shows up through gift use, cultural appropriation in the music and fashion industries, on gaming platforms, and it persists in movies as a joke or for shock value. In fact, in September 2020, Aisha Harris, co-host of the NPR podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour, released a New York Times visual journalism piece called A Brief History of 21st Century Blackface to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the Spike Lee movie Bamboozled. We mentioned this movie, Bamboozled, in episode five of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. Let's talk about Black History Month. Bamboozled is a satirical comedy drama about a modern-day minstrel TV show that was written by a Black Harvard graduate to create something so offensive it would get him fired. His show, Mantan the Millennium Minstrel Show, featured Black actors in blackface makeup. Bamboozled is a must-watch social commentary not only on blackface, but on how mainstream media uses black people for entertainment. Side note, Roger Ebert gave Bamboozled two stars, but gave The Klansman, a.k.a. Birth of a Nation, four stars. Anyway, we've linked Aisha's piece in the show notes and encourage you to read it. When it comes to blackface, the visceral shame of one person or one corporation's misgivings creates a reactionary response where we lock up these images in vaults never to be seen again. And that is just as harmful as the continued perpetuation of blackface as an American tradition, because locking up these images and putting them away prevents all of us from engaging in important social conversations that should be held. What we see is powerful. When we see images, our mind catalogs those ideas consciously or subconsciously, and we use those ideas to help us navigate our interactions with other people. It lets us know if people are friend or foe, lesser or equal. So historically speaking, how many people use the images they saw in blackface to guide their understanding of black people and black culture? Branding is everything. The rise of media and entertainment, which did not include black people as collaborators and co-creators, but included negative interpretations of black people, undoubtedly laid a foundation for how we talk about blackness even today. So what's our part in pushing back against those negative tropes and stereotypes and how do we create space to have challenging discussions about topics like blackface without shutting down. We will attempt to have such a conversation. It might be messy, but our goal is to talk about how media and branding shape the way we decide who gets to be in on the joke, which stories we elevate, and how can we evolve our conversations about harmful historical events. All right, so we're back at the kitchen table to talk about another important topic. What, what? What, what? what? Um, so let's jump right on into it. I think that we're going to have a really awesome and fruitful conversation today. All right, so let's jump into question one. All right, let's get this party started. Um, we watched the movie Bamboozled by Spike Lee. Yep, as a family, right? As a family. Um, 
as a fam. The movie is actually for older kids, and we'll link the Common Sense Media review in the show notes to help parents determine if their kids are ready to watch this movie or not. I think that that's the right thing to do. Um, but I think adults should watch. What do you guys think? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So just a bit of background about the movie. Um, it's a satire of black people in blackface. Essentially, that's what it boils down to, right? Um, we have this Harvard grad who is working at a um, television production station or company, and he's trying to get fired and let out of his contract. Um, and he's trying to create show a show that is offensive, right? And Right, just so so bad that like they're like you just kick you out so that he can get fired so he can be let go of his contract. So inside he reaches down to what's the most offensive thing to him? And that was, oh, I'm gonna make a millennium minstrel show. Right. And right, modern day blackface, right? And so for him, that's the most offensive thing. So he pitches the idea, he brings in two homeless um, performers from the street to play the role, right, of Mantan and Sleep and Eat, right, which are two, I mean, literally, it's wildly stereotypical and crazy, right? Um, but he brings in these two guys who are homeless to play the characters for that show, and what happens? They get right. So they they the 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 company picks up the show and runs with it, right? And then also takes it further than he took it, right? And so it's crazy. So we don't want to give away too much about the show, right, or the movie rather. Um, but I just want to ask each of you, like, what do you guys think that? the initial message that Spike Lee is trying to convey to the viewer. You're first. I think that the message is that people think that things are okay because it's not real or because um, also because like someone of that culture is doing that thing, but that these like these things that they're doing are always like good things or things from their actual culture. Um, a lot of the time they might be very stereotypical or very racist and they do it because of like media or fame or money um and to kind of like also i think he was trying to say to kind of avoid that path mm. um and not to do something like the main character did mm. i love that so i, I just kind of want to sum it up for everyone that sometimes people will use stereotypical images from their own culture and, you know, media will think it's okay because, it, well, it's a black person that's in black face, so it's fine. Right, right. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for, for bringing that to this space. Okay, how about you? What is the initial message, right, that Spike Lee is trying to convey with this movie? Again, we don't want to give everything away, um, but what do you think he's trying to, to tell the viewer? So there's two things that are like key to me and yeah, of course they're gonna be quick, but the first thing is that there's problems within the black community because um, the main character um, who was trying to get fired on purpose um, recruited the guys on the street and I don't wanna give it away, but <clears throat> they were looking for a job. So he thought that, oh, since they're black, it might not, I don't know if he knew if there'd be a problem since they're black, but 
he was like, oh, these guys are looking for a job, and they're black, so, mm -hmm. yeah. And then the other thing is that audiences will be influenced based on what they're watching or reading. And um, I don't want to give it away, of course, but the audience did exactly what the people on the show were doing. I'm not going to say what it is because it's actually, like, the biggest part almost in the movie. So, yeah, that's just another thing. So, I love how you brought in, like class here right and I hate to say it as like class but like you know this guy he was a Harvard graduate right and he's deciding to bring in homeless guys to play these parts right he's not bringing in a famous actor or even bringing in trained actors he's bringing homeless guys who are desperate for a job right what is what is what do you think about that I think I can't I don't really know like because honestly like it wasn't, it didn't really say, like, if he, like, want, like, okay, sorry. It didn't really, like, convey to us what he was thinking, because if he was thinking, like, well, they're homeless, so it doesn't really matter, or he was thinking, well, they need a job, so, but either way, like, still, it's kind of messed up, because, like, Cause he has someone you put them a, out there. Right, and who's in a desperate position, and, like... Yeah, like having them do this because they're in a desperate position. Yeah. And also, like, just like to say, like, this happens a lot in real life, too, because people, <clears throat> they're so desperate, you know, and they will do anything. So, yeah. And it even shows throughout the story. Um, Like, again, I won't ruin it because, like, it's a really also another good part of the story. But, like, yeah, like. Yeah, I you know, I think I'm really glad that you brought that up, that within the black community, we have a responsibility to take care of each other. Um, you know, so a lot of our conversations talk about how we can build coalitions across racial and cultural and heritage differences. But we're going to say, like, also within our communities, right, we have a responsibility to take care of and to look after the people who are part of our community, right? Whether it's if I'm a member of the black community, I should take care of those folks. If I'm a member of the LGBTQIA community, I should take care of those folks. If I'm a member of the Jewish community, I should take care of those folks. So just thinking about, like, how do we take care of the people in our community, not use them for our own gain? Yeah, because he uses them only because he wants to use his job. Yeah, yeah, that was super dope. And then the other thing you highlighted about, you know, just blackface in general, you know, thinking about like Spike Lee pushes this idea of who gets to wear blackface, who should wear blackface, who should not wear blackface, should we wear blackface? Um, there's a lot of really interesting um, points in this movie that make you think, um, hopefully make you a little like uncomfortable, right? If you're not used to looking at and thinking about this subject matter. Um, so yeah, we really encourage folks to watch. All right, question number two, why do people feel shame when it comes to blackface? People feel shame because it's like an exaggeration or like a stereotype that people are placing on black people or other people when they're doing it. Mm. And um, when they're doing this, right, like a lot of people want to like immediately like erase it. Erase it. Yeah, exactly. Why do you think people want to erase it? I think people want to erase it because they immediately think probably before they do it, oh, it's bad. But if I just erase it, it's fine. Mm. And what happens when we erase it? 
we don't learn from it. Like we don't learn how why it's wrong because mm-hmm. we don't ask is this wrong what I'm doing so just going to do something. And I have another question for you like why is it wrong? Why do you think it's wrong? Um I think it's wrong because like it's like mis um misinterpreting Mm-hmm. Like the black community mm-hmm. or how black people act. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. That was very thoughtful. Thank you. All right. Um, so what about you? You know, share your thoughts. Like why do people feel ashamed when it comes to blackface? So <clears throat> blackface is bad, right? But like the thing that like, okay, so when it was like very popular during the Jim Crow era, people didn't attack people for it. They were just like, oh, look, blackface. And then they would laugh or they would just be like, whatever, like it's a norm. And since then, we've established that it's bad. And so when someone does something like not something, sorry, when someone does something that we established that we're not going to do anymore, people attack people, like try to come for people. And like, it's not like, I'm against it, but it's not like I'm for it either. It's just like, don't against do it. Against or for what? Um, attacking people mm-hmm. or trying to find where they live, mm-hmm. trying to hurt Doxing them. Doxing people and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's the scariest part, even though like it's bad and like you shouldn't do it. But like the scariest part for people, like they're after they do it, they realize, oh no, like people are going to come attack me. People are going to like tell me that I'm a bad person and that I'm racist. So yeah, that's really actually why people i feel no i feel like that's really actually why people are so scared Mm -hmm. to do it or they just want to erase it right away so they're more afraid of other people's yeah responses getting hated on other people's responses instead of like understanding that it's wrong exactly and yeah i think that's why some people who are like actually think it's funny and stuff like that like who do it I think they're mostly the people that get scared when people um, attack them for it because they're like, I thought that this was funny, right? Mm, mm. So what do you think should happen instead? Like instead of erasing it, you know, because companies will, you know, an episode will come out and like then the company will be like, Uh-oh. we we put this in the vault. It's never coming out <laughs> again. But then people record it and they put it on YouTube. Like say like a song. It's actually never done. Stop. It isn't. Say, like, I sang a song or I made a song, and then I was like, uh-oh, and I just deleted it. People have recorded that, screen recorded that. They can just re-upload it, and then people can see exactly what I said or did. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what What do you, what should happen then, you know? And, like, should we, I have a, this is a, a question. Should, should episodes of um, TV shows that are more recent, right? Episodes of, um, or even cartoons that are older, should we lock those away never to be seen again? Or should should they be available per, for people to view? So first, it's weird because like, sometimes it is extreme. And as I said, TV and media can change people. And like, maybe people might think, oh, since it was on cartoon, like I can do it in real life. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, it might like get worse. But on the other hand, it might get better because people could learn from it and like watch it and say, oh, I see why this is bad. Or like, oh, I see why this is insensitive. Or I see why people get mad while people do this. And also, maybe you shouldn't delete it because, like, again, like I, I said just now, 
people can find it again because people have screen recorded it, videotaped it. So there's no way you can't. Nothing never dies on the internet. Exactly. Yeah, that's real. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we kind of talked a little bit about like locking away these images and decisions that um, media companies make when it comes to blackface in cartoons, in episodes that are uh, contemporary episodes, not even historic episodes in movies. Um, So I just want to say like no media is released without sign off by lots and lots of people, right? Exactly. So there's a long line of people involved in making media for mass consumption. You have like the writer's room, the executive producers, you have the board, you have lawyers, you have publicists. All of these people, when there's a blackface reference or there is blackface in something, a bunch of people have have signed off on it or have passed it through to the next level, right? So I have to ask you, what responsibility do individuals and companies or organizations have to changing these narratives? I think that they need to actually thoroughly look at it and be like, "Um, wait, this is blackface? No, you can't put this on TV for two million kids to see because that's inappropriate and that's not right. But what media companies aren't doing is exactly that. Hmm. That's interesting. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, What responsibility, obviously, do media and entertainment organizations have? Um, But also, what is the responsibility of the consumer, the person who's watching uh, television and listening to music and, you know, watching movies, right? Um, So I'd like to ask you, what responsibilities um, are there Uh, to challenge these narratives so the people who are making the things have the responsibility to do the research and make sure that what they're putting out isn't going to offend anyone Mm -hmm. or make anyone feel like they shouldn't watch their things anymore because of that and then the jobs of the consumers or the people who are watching it is to call it out Mm -hmm. and not just like hate but like also tell them why it's bad and like why they should and why other people should watch out and like read about it and stuff like that. So you're saying that we're not just calling it out, but we also want to make sure that we're participating in some sort of co-learning experience. Yeah. So, okay. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Um, I think that the responsibility of the people watching is to talk about it, like with your family members and other people watching with you. Like, like my mom does with us so that they they're like asking questions Mm. so that it's not just straight oh my god what's happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but 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 you stop at some points or heavy parts and just talk about it i love that right and so we're gonna actually encourage people who are gonna watch bamboozled right after you determine if your kid is ready to watch bamboozled with you or not right take Sophie's advice and it's okay to watch a movie all the way through but it's also okay to use a movie as a learning or an excuse right a learning experience or an excuse to delve into something so like stop the movie and talk about it right like why 
why is it that this is what the director chose to have us experience, right? I love that. I love that so much. Thank you for, for bringing that in. Thank you. So we've been talking. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. A lot about blackface. Um, and, uh, you know, blackface is actually still present in 21st century media platforms, right? Um, but it's also evolved with the times. So, you know, people use GIFs. Um, people try on black culture. Um, blackface is still pervasive as an American tradition. So let's get into digital blackface. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you think digital blackface is and how it shows up online? I think digital blackface is like darkening an avatar or like yourself using things like Photoshop, um, like darkening your skin or changing your hair texture or color to make it seem like a BIPOC person or that um, like um, that you're black and like just for laughs or unknowingly or um, like for like say a video or something, even though you know or don't know it's okay. Mm, I love that. I love that. People have also said like digital blackface um, shows up in the ways that people speak on social media, right? So, um, mm-hmm. like, um, this is not just on social media, but like in videos as well. People make jokes about black people. Like, they'll have someone talk to black people in like a way that they think black people will talk. Mm. Or, like, a language that they think a black person would know or, like, a BIPOC person in general. Um, And that is also very racist and, like, very stereotypical. Um, And it just goes to show that it's not just darkening your skin or changing your hair. Um, It it shows up pretty much everywhere. Right. So you're saying, like, gestures and language. And, um, like, even people make, like, racist poses or positions mm. or, like, racist, like, memes, artworks. And in some ways, right, some of these folks don't see it as racism, right? They'll see it as, like, a funny joke. It's funny or even it's cool, right? They're like, oh, this is hip. Everyone's doing it. Let me do it, and, too. And they also they also might think it's appropriate to do because they saw it online and they think that they can't trace it back to you because it was on social media. But um, it's very emphasized now, and it's been emphasized that things on social media, just like if you said it out loud, you can't really take that back. Right, right. Um, Like, it's sort of like a one and done sort of thing. Even if you try to delete it, like say you made like a post on made up social media world mm-hmm. it's archived in made up social media world that's true um 
I know you're bringing up some really amazing things. Um, and one thing about culture, which we will talk about in a little bit, right? But culture is kind of made up of all of the wonderful ways individuals communicate who they are, whether it's in the real world or in digital spaces. And so, you know, Black Twitter is a thing, right? It's been a thing for a very long time now. Um, there's a lot of really, I would say, cool funny, interesting, amazing things that have emerged from this digital culture called Black Twitter. Um, a lot of those things ends up, end up in the mainstream, right? And so there's a lot of people who have no interest in committing to participating in Black Twitter, um, but then they take from Black Twitter. So we'll talk about that later um, on. Yeah. I just want to say a short little thing on it, like not to like say a whole thing, but also it's like not just like on Twitter people are doing this it's like on every platform like YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok like um what like whatever social media there's going to be like a group of people and mm-hmm. then there's going to be another group of people um not wanting to participate in those people like practices or like what their interest is but they're going to take from that mm. and um that's not particularly racist that's just extremely rude. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. So you've kind of bridged the gap between this question and the next. So hold on to some of those ideas so that we can bring them back up again. I appreciate you for sharing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thank you. So we're talking about digital blackface um, and how it shows up. And obviously it shows up in all spaces, including gaming. So let's have you talk a little bit about your Roblox video you know, how did it come about and why do you think it was necessary for you to make that video and how does it address digital blackface? So basically, um, I have a Roblox video and it's basically about digital blackface and I thought it was necessary to make the video. Um, not only because like even before the Black Lives Matter protesting went down, um, it was it's always like appropriate to talk about blackface in any form, but it was more appropriate because people were doing it because they thought that it would be in solidarity of like black lives matter and black people. Mm -hmm. And, um, also another thing, which I might make a video about this too, is people like, it's actually sort of a form of digital blackface. And it's when people are like, okay guys, so I'm going to like dress up as a black person and then ask people I'm black. Do you accept me? And what is what what do you think about that? I think first of all like you're trying on blackness and then seeing if people will what what do people what do you think people think that they're going to get from that? Honestly, so I feel like there's two three things involved. Attention, mm. the need for like people well compliments or like people to tell them, "Oh, it's okay. You don't need to feel ashamed of yourself because you're black or because, you know, Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, um, the third thing is like they just had to find something that was relevant and like they needed a video or something like that. So I think that's also so shock. So people are using blackness to get views. Views, yes. And so I don't know which YouTuber or which video, but I saw this and I was just like, this girl has ten thousand plus more, maybe even now views and people in the comment section are like 
black lives matter black people matter it's just like this is no like because she's literally doing blackface and then say it's like if it's almost like non-profit blackface (laughs) or like you know like it's goodwill blackface but like not goodwill because Mm. it's blackface like it's like a if a white person or a person who wasn't black did blackface mission driven blackface is what i wanted yeah, to say yeah and like they did it and like not really bad how it actually is like where they do like really really dark black and like red lipstick but like they dressed up as like an everyday black person and then they went up to people and was like i'm black do you accept me it's just like come on and then <laughs> the other thing about compliments is it, during the video, I noticed that when they went up to someone and they asked that, they would be like, oh, no, you're beautiful. Like, it's okay. You don't need to feel ashamed of yourself. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know. So, so yeah, I feel like that was also a reason why I had to make the video. And actually, some of the videos I saw came out after my video. So, I was like, oh. But um, another reason is because I saw even one of the people that I knew did it. And I don't know if they didn't know what blackface was or not. So mm-hmm. I I was like, oh, well, they did it. So maybe somebody, some peop- other people are doing it, I presume. And they probably don't know what blackface is because some of the people who watched my video were like, oh, thank you, because I didn't know what blackface was at all, actually. So I was like, oh, well, perfect that you watched my video. But um, basically, it's just because I saw people doing blackface online by changing their skin color and like of course you're allowed to change your skin color in a game like if you're white of course you can have a black avatar but you shouldn't do it to mock black people or to impersonate black people or to just fish for compliments or um get views on your youtube video like yeah just anything bad or in solidarity of black lives matter too because that's not that actually works against I appreciate that you bring that in because there's a lot of things at play that I th- and I think that you covered them eloquently. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that. I didn't even really realize that people were would, you know, have a black avatar and then go around asking people what they thought about them being black. Right? I mean, black people aren't doing that. <laughs> I <laughs> black would never. People are not walking around and being like, "Hey, so." What do you think? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it, it, you know, when you think about the premise, it's actually quite ridiculous. And but I- it speaks to the fact that um, shock value of using black people and black culture. What does that get you? What kind of response does that create in other people? Um, and how is it entertaining? So basically, um, you and I were talking and. It was about this article in the New York Times, and sorry, but you might have to put it in the show notes because it was really good. Oh, yeah, good. no, that article is by Aisha Harris, um, and she's uh, she's got a podcast with NPR, and, you know, I just think she's super dope. So, yes, her article is in the show notes. Everybody go and read that article about 21st century blackface. Anyway, you were and saying. So it was. It was. We all read it. And so, basically, we're talking, and... You asked me almost the same question or we were talking about the same thing and you were like, um, when somebody does something racist, and we were talking about this actually earlier, and when somebody does something racist, they always try to erase it because they don't want to be called racist. They don't want to be labeled as someone who does racist things. And like I feel like that's the same thing that happens during this because... During what? Blackface? No, use? no, like this scenario. Mm. Like um, when people are like, 
do you think I'm pretty because I'm black or do you, do you like me because I'm black or what do you think about me because I'm black? Mm. Uh, automatically, people are like, oh, um, you're beautiful because they don't want to be labeled as racist or rude or mean because I feel like that's the shock value or that's like the response that people, they're just scared mm. to be called racist, to be labeled racist. And, of course, being labeled racist is really bad, but, like, and also, you shouldn't speak your mind if something's racist, but during that, like, it's also kind of like, will you be labeled racist? Because mm -hmm. technically, it's blackface, but also, if it actually is a real black person, like, that could hurt their feelings. Yeah, and it also, that person who's doing it, the person who has the avatar and they're pretending to be black and going around and asking people, what do, what do you think about black people, right? Um, which I just want to say, black people just don't do, many of us don't even care what other people think. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. I mean, it's not wrong though, right? Like, we're just living our lives like everybody else, Yeah. right? Um, anyway, so like, you know, when you're walking around in your avatar asking these questions, in Suspicious. many ways, you're trying to position yourself as I'm not racist because I'm doing these things. And that's why I kind of said, like, it's goodwill, it's goodwill blackface. It's mission driven blackface because it's like I'm out trying to, like, you know, weed out the racist on this platform, engaging, ironically, in a racist act. And they think that since they're recording it, um, the people who are racist will be like, like say, okay, say they're walking up to someone and they're like, I'm black. What do you think? And then they're like, ew, ugly. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, I'm recording. And they'll be like, uh, and then they'll just leave the server. That's basically what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's why, you know, like they're doing it because they're like, I'm trying to find someone racist to expose. Mm -hmm. So let me find a way. Oh, let me dress up as a black person and ask people what they think because if somebody says something mean obviously they're racist which yeah. might not be true because if you don't like what someone looks like i mean it's just mean it's not racist yeah so. yeah I, I just love that you brought that I, I i just thank you for bringing that to this discussion um you know i just encourage people like you know if if you're white and you want to find racist go talk to other white people as a white person and just say hey like let's talk right like no, no not even like what do you think about black but how people, do but we just like when you hear something you know say something versus or going out and like dressing up as a black person on an online platform and looking for racist people <laughs> or look or ask <laughs> or ask the people in your community even if it's not non-white like hispanic people asian people non-black mm. people of color Ask the people in community, why do you hate black people so much? Or why do you hate this race so much? Or why do you hate Asian people so much? Or why do you hate Spanish people? Because the only racism comes from hate. Mm -hmm. So I think that if like you talk to someone about why you hate something, like then it will help just like die it down because they're like, oh, maybe me hating them just because off of a stereotype or off of what they look like isn't right. And... Maybe I should only hate them because they're mean to me or, oh, sorry. Maybe I should only hate them because they said something mean to me or. Or not hate them at all, bros. You know well, what I'm I mean, saying? Like, like there's hate, always going to be hate and there's, conflict. There's always going to be hate Not off of conflict. the color of your skin or what you look like. That is true. Way to be realistic. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, hate and love are two very strong emotions. 
and similar things, right? They create the same uh, chemical release in our bodies, right? And, and, produ- and force us to do reactions and actions based on that chemical reaction. So we need to think about, you know, if people are hating, maybe we can get them to love. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm being like maybe I'm being <laughs> super Pollyanna and like unrealistic, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not even See, possible. Um, but what I do want to say is that I think it's more. You've highlighted the fact that instead of outing racists, we need to have more discussions, and I think that that's what the root of actually kind of this episode is about. We don't want to necessarily brush. Um, blackface. blackface out of underneath the rug or erase it it is a part of american history right and it's always going to come up because also this was another thing that you told me about when we were talking that same day it was like yesterday and you were like or actually no, it was in the podcast actually i'm so sorry it was in the podcast and you were like or maybe i was like um every time we look at history we're all the bad things come from one thing and mostly it's like the race slavery and blackface and stuff like that so it's actually never going to just be brushed under the rug because come on like if we're talking about like the Jim Crow era like mm-hmm. we cannot we can't not it, talk about else, blackface we're not I talking mean, about everything Jim Crow was a blackface character caricature Right. So like th- we named a whole era of racism off of a character, a blackface caricature. And so we really need to think about as a society, instead of running away from these topics, instead of hiding, we need to face them on. We need to search for it. We need to talk about it. We need to teach it in schools. We need to teach it in schools. Right. I. Yeah, we need to look. We need to look. <laughs> we need to look into it. You know, and talk about it and have these tough conversations because it's not going anywhere. And because say we're talking about that era, I think it was like the 1940s. Actually, it was from post-Civil War through 1940. Yeah. So like if we're talking about that era, like if we just say, okay, well, the Civil War happened and then it went back to normal. And then, well, where do black people come in? Because black people fought in the Civil War. Black people were still there. Um before the civil war because there was slavery so like people would ask questions like well then what happened to all the black people that were enslaved and quote unquote got free because there's still slavery and there's still slavery now um they would be like well um and then they would have to bring up the jim crow era and then segregation and then leading up to all those events that happens now so yeah 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 it's just really it's we can't ignore it right ignoring it exacerbates the problem because then we move into a place of shame and not a place of mm-hmm. growth and greatness and learning. And that's, oh, sorry, one yeah. more thing yeah, to, like, wrap it up. <laughs> and that's also the reason why this country is, like, slowly moving because, like, we haven't, like, faced head-on these topics um, at all. Unless it's, like, at home. Mm-hmm. Because there's actually people who do know a lot about this stuff. But, like, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of people who don't know what blackface is or who have no idea why slavery happened in the first place Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i appreciate that thank you all right okay so we're going to talk about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation in another podcast episode because i just think 
that could be a whole episode of its own. And you know what we can do is maybe we can bring in a few experts to talk about it as well. I think that that would be super fruitful for our audience. So that'll be on my to-do list. Um, I just want to say that this has been a very awesome episode. Once again, you guys literally bring the heat and drop these gems like every single time. Girl, you dropping gems. Yes, I made you guys a sweet potato pie so we can have pie now. But I just want to thank you guys so very much for taking your time to think about these um, questions and uh, provide some very insightful responses. So thanks, gang. I love you too. How did blackface influence the post-Civil War mentality? How did these images solidify stereotypes about black people in the minds of everyone in the United States and abroad? Branding is a marketing practice designed to ensure a name, a symbol, or an idea is easily identifiable with a product or person. Branding is everything. It's everywhere. It always has been and it always will be. The way that we market ourselves and others through historical narratives, propaganda, politics, and media and entertainment tells a story of who we are perceived to be. Sometimes we do not have control over these narratives. How do the stories that others tell about us help or hinder us? And how do the images we see influence the way in which we think about other people and their culture? We challenge families to leverage this time together to courageously explore some of these same questions that we've discussed. If you have any cool epiphanies you'd like to share, or if you get caught without answers, please leave them in the comments or share them with us on social media. Each episode, we will share quotes that we find inspirational. Gwendolyn Brooks was an American poet, author, and teacher. Her work often dealt with the personal celebrations and struggles of ordinary people in her community. Her quote, do not desire to fit in, desire to oblige yourselves to lead. B.B. Moore Campbell was an American author, journalist, and teacher. Her quote, people of color, particularly African-Americans, feel the stigma more keenly. In a race-conscious society, some don't want to be perceived as having yet another defect. My quote is by Nikki Giovanni, who is an American poet, writer, commentator, activist, and educator. My quote is, Deal with yourself as an individual worthy of respect and make everyone else deal with you the same way. Phoebe Robinson is an American stand-up comedian, New York Times bestselling writer, and actress. Her quote, What's important is to have more women creators behind the scenes, being producers, and being in charge. That will ultimately help push this boys club locker room mentality out the door. Thank you for listening to the Let's K-12 Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. We want to hear from you. 
Connect with us on social media at Let's K12 Better on all social media platforms or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Mom of All Capes. The Let's K-12 Better podcast is available on every podcasting platform. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Your feedback helps us grow. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.